Bibles, please, to the 71st Psalm, Psalm 71. I think most of you know that every morning I send out a little daily devotional called Morning Manna. Uh, I'm certain probably some people think that it's always just my message to, uh, to other people. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, a lot of times it uh, it's a message to me just as much as it is to to anyone else. And no doubt, some people think, "Well, I just grab something or write something real fast and you know send it out just to be doing it." And uh, Bev can tell you that's not the case. Uh, there's a lot of time spent either in writing or reading and just looking for something that I feel like would be uh, uh, be beneficial to folks on that particular day. Uh, this week, I wrote a, just a short article from this psalm on verse 16. It was entitled, A Man on a Mission. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about it all week long. And uh, naturally, you can't elaborate on a lot of things in a little brief article like that. And uh, so we're going to talk about it this morning. Verse 16, Psalm 71. I wish I had time to read the entire psalm. Let me suggest that you do that when you get home, that you get familiar with it. But we focus on verse 16 this morning. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Now, as I said this week, whenever I wrote about that particular verse, I called it a, a man, a man on a mission. And clearly that's what we see, not just in this verse, but in some other verses, but I, I want to just take this one word at a time, the first part, and and try to put ourselves in the place of the writer of this psalm. And notice it begins there with a with his resolve. He says, "I will go. I will go." Now look at each one of those words. He says, "I." You know, most of the time we tend to think too much and too often about ourselves. But there's another sense in which we don't think enough about ourselves. In other words, sometimes the focus is so much on other people and what, you know, what we think that they ought to be doing or shouldn't be doing that we fail to, uh, to think about what we ought to be doing. You know, that's why I said this is a man on a mission. A lot of folks are like an envelope that doesn't have an address on it. They don't know where they're going, you know. They're just, you know, they're just just existing, just go from one day to another. They have no sense of purpose. They, uh, they, They don't have any idea as to what God would have them to do. Now, listen, the psalmist could have written about a thousand and one different subjects. But notice he begins by saying, I. So the focus is on self, not in a bad way, not in a selfish way, but in the sense of what he was going to do with his life. 
Have you given that any thought? What are you going to do with your life? I mean, you can spend it any way you want, but you, you can only spend it one time. You only got one shot at this. What are you going to do with your life? So he says, I will. Now, he could have said, as some people do, he could have said, I won't. Whatever he adds to that, whatever he is thinking of, he could have said, I won't. Others can if they want to, I won't. That's exactly the attitude of a lot of people. I won't. I, you know, I don't care if you go to church or not. I, 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 I won't go. I don't care if you sing in the choir. I won't sing in the choir, you know. And, but he says, notice, I will. He could have said, I won't. He could have said, I can't. No, I, 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 I just can't. And so I'm not even going to try. That's the attitude of a lot of folks. If they don't say, I won't, they say, I can't. Or if they don't say that, they say, I might. You know, everything's always up in the air. I might do this or I might do that. But notice he says, I will. He is emphatic about it. There's no question about it. He's got his mind made up. I will, but notice the next word. He says, I will go. Do you have any idea how much the Bible says about that little word, go? I mean, it's used over and over and over again throughout the Bible. It's so very important. Whenever we think about, as a church, what it is that we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be going, right? And he said, go into all of the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. You see, all of us as God's people, we are all on a mission. Now, we might not recognize it. We might not, uh, we might not accept it, but all of us have a mission. And when he says, I will, it's a reminder to us that the Christian life is one of activity. It's not passive. You got that right? Sometimes we talk about church members, you know, and we have to distinguish between church members and active church members. Somebody you'll ask quite often, you know, well, how many, how many do y'all run in church there? And, uh, well, you know, the real question is how many, how many are active in church? It doesn't make any difference how many is on the roll, how many you have in the membership. That doesn't really matter. It's how many people are active. And the Christian life is to be one of activity. Now, consider everything that might be implied whenever he says this. He says, I will go. And he is implying with this spirit of determination that I will go regardless of what I have to leave. You see, you can't go somewhere unless you leave something. And that, that is the very thing that hinders so many people. I, I've known several over the years, but there's one name that sticks in my mind, I think, above all others, of a man who had uh, what most would consider to be a successful ministry, and yet he refused to resign his secular job because all of the benefits he had there and so he hung on to that job and hung on to that job. The members finally got to the point they begged him to let go of it, to give all of his time to the church. They would support him and everything. He refused because they had an out-of-this-world retirement plan. And as I watched over the years, that church dwindled away to nothing. 
All because, in my mind at least, a man that's refusing to leave something to go to the place where God wanted him to be. And so the psalmist could have said here and does say, I will go, that is regardless of what I have to leave. He said, I will go wherever it might lead. Think about that for a little while. You know, a lot of folks got the idea that if we are to surrender our life to the Lord for service, that what it really means is that we're going to surrender to go to the mission field. May I ask you, where is the mission field? Yeah, it's here. It's everywhere. The whole world is the mission field. We all have our mission field. And we need to surrender to the Lord and follow Him and say with the psalmist, I will go wherever it leads. It doesn't make any difference. I'll never forget just about the time that I surrendered to preach. And in fact, probably it was probably that very night that I said to the Lord, Lord, I, you know, I know this is what you want me to do. I'm willing to surrender to preach. I'll go anywhere. And, 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 and why I put this on there, I don't know. But I said, even California. I, I mean, I hated California back then. I've never liked California. But, but Bev can tell you I was serious about it. All I wanted to know is, you know, where do you want me to go? I, I'm willing to go anywhere. And thank God she was a wife that was willing to follow me anywhere and did follow me everywhere. He says, I will go regardless of what I have to leave. I will go regardless of where it might lead. I will go regardless of what it might cost. I will go even if I have to go alone. He just, he doesn't say, I will go as long as everybody else goes with me. He just said, I'm going to go. Whether anybody else does or not, I'm going. I will go, although if you read this psalm, you see that he is old, he is weak, he is weary, he is in pain. And yet he says, I will go. I will go even if there is much opposition. And there was. You read the psalm and you see he was hated and despised and others that did their very best to destroy him. And yet he said, I will go. I will go even though the temptations around me are great. I will go even if there is much uncertainty. I will go even if no one appreciates what I do. I'll go even if it seems futile. I mean, even if, in other words, if it's just a waste of my time, whether there are any results or not, I am willing to go. And in all of that, I think what he's really saying, I will go because I love God and it's my desire to please Him. I'll go. I'll go. Doesn't make any difference where. Doesn't make any difference what the cost is. Doesn't make any difference what you want me to do or anybody else goes with me. I will go. Now notice, that was it. that's his resolve, but notice his reliance. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Amen. And I want to make sure you get the picture here. The psalmist was old. The psalmist, who I think, is David without a doubt, even though it's not stated there. But I believe the psalmist here is David. He is old. He's feeble. He is hated. He's in danger. He's at the point when many would would say, I'm not about to go. And yet he says, I will go. Here's a man that refused to turn back in dread. 
He refused to sit down in despair. He refused to give up in discouragement. He refused to accept defeat. He said, I will go. I'm wounded, I'm weak, I am weary, but I will go. He is determined that the difficulties are not going to deter him from his duty. I will go. So he overcomes his fear with faith. I will go. Now let me tell you, it takes more than just determination to get something done. You know, I think we actually did an injustice to a generation of children in that little, that little poem, you know, the little engine that could and led to people, you know, with the philosophy that's taught in the classrooms that if you can imagine it, you can do it, you know. Plan big. I mean, if you can think it, you can do it. That's nonsense. I remember whenever I was a kid and, and, uh, and, and for some reason or another, you know, and, and this is back whenever I guess Superman was really getting popular, and, and mom said I jumped off of every building in the country, and I did. I, I'd climb up on buildings and trees. I've jumped off of things and out of things that you wouldn't believe just to jump. But I can remember as a little kid running as fast as I could, and I thought, you know, man, one of these days I'm going to actually be able to fly. Well, I, I never did, but uh, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Now, my point is, sometimes we are, you know, determined in our mind that we're going to do this or that we're going to do that. But I want you to know there's a big difference between having a desire and actually doing something. Just because you desire to do it doesn't mean that you are able to do it. Now, again, think about the condition this old man is in. Think about the opposition that he faces and all of the difficulties that he has encountered. How in the world can you envision success when conditions are so bad as this? Well, he gives us the answer. Notice he says, I will go in the strength of the Lord. Not only was that his answer, that is our answer also. Our victory in life is because God, who is all-powerful, is our strength. It is a strength that He has promised again and again in His Word. It is a strength that has been paraded, as it were, throughout all of history for everyone to see. God wants you to know that when He makes a promise, He will provide what He promised. Don't ever forget That which he proclaimed in the scriptures earlier concerning the past events of the acts of God, all of those things were recorded for our benefit today. In other words, every miracle is a miracle with a message. It wasn't for the purpose of entertaining people then or now. But rather, it is for God to be able to show this generation what He did with that generation. And that's why I say that God has put His power on display. He has paraded it throughout all of history, and He has promised to, to, to provide it for all of His children. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord. And let me tell you, the only way 
any of us can live life successfully is in the strength of the Lord. I mean, whether you talk about any context of your life, whatever it is, whether it's your vocational life, whether it's your domestic life, it doesn't make any difference. In every area of our life, for us to be truly successful, what we do has to be done in the strength of the Lord. Your ability, whatever it is, it might exceed everybody else in the church, your ability is never enough. We are called to live a miracle. To live above a standard that is so high that no man can possibly reach without the aid of the Holy Spirit. We need His strength. We need His endowment, His power in our life or we're going to fail. And He understood that. He says, I'll go, but I will go in the strength of the Lord. It won't be my strength. It's not going to be about my determination. It's going to be the strength of the Lord that enables me and And notice he says, I will go in the strength of, this is an important phrase, he says, the Lord God. As I studied for this message, I I, I was tempted to just skip over this point and move on to the last thing that we're going to talk about. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this is the most important part. And it's crucial that we think about this because he knew he could rely on God because he had a relationship with God. And you can't read this psalm without being impressed by that fact. Whenever you read through this psalm, you see him again and again and again speaking about his relationship with God in different ways. I mean, he said, God is his help, God is his refuge, and on and on and on. He uses all of these different words to describe what God is to him. And then in verse number 19, he just, having spoken of God so often and so highly, he says, Oh God, who is like unto thee? You read this psalm and you are compelled to confess that this is a man who had a relationship with God. And that's the thing that made all of the difference in the world. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, we can talk, we can talk till we're blue in the face about what the standard is by which we ought to live. We can talk about all your responsibilities and your obligations. We can talk about your talents, your abilities, your education, and everything under the sun. But if you don't have a relationship with God, it's all in vain because real success is discovering the will of God and doing it. And you can't do it without a personal relationship with God. You see, he knew he could rely on God because he knew God. I love the way Isaiah put it. He said, He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, that is no power, no strength, to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. That tells me that we don't have any excuse for failure in life. If success is discovering the will of God and doing it, And if we can rely upon God because we have a relationship with God, and if God keeps His promises to give us the strength that we need, then then failure is always on our part. We can never point the finger at God and say, your standard was too high. 
We can never point to others and say that you made life too difficult. If you hadn't got in my way, I could have been a success. We have to take all of the blame because having a relationship with God gives us the courage to face every situation that the devil throws at us. This is his reliance. He is depending upon God to give him the strength to do what he needed to do. Well, that brings us down to his resolution. Notice he says, I will go, but I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord with whom I have a relationship. But here's the resolution. He says, I will make mention of thy righteousness, even thine own. This reveals why all of this was so important to David. He was a man on a mission. Now, notice he added these words. He says, I will make mention of thy righteousness, even thine own. In other words, I'm not going to be talking about me. I'm not going to be talking about others. I want to make mention of your righteousness, speaking about God. And notice how he ends the song whenever you get all the way down to verse 24. He says, My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness, what? All the day long. Not just on Thursday night visitation. Not, not just, not just during the midweek Bible study. But he says, I'm, my tongue will talk of your righteousness all of the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought into shame that seek my hurt. And let me tell you, a man like that with a message like this needs to be heard, and his mission is too important to be stopped. He has no right to give up because this is the message the world needs to hear, the message concerning God and His righteousness. Let me wrap all of this up because maybe you're here and you're thinking it's all about someone surrendering their life to preach and to go to a mission field or to pastor a church. And maybe you're thinking that you're off the hook, that this couldn't possibly have anything to do with you, and you couldn't be further away from the truth than what you are. If you profess to be a Christian, this has everything to do with you. Here is a man that wanted to live. Why? He wanted to live so that he might be able to make the living God known to those who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was his purpose in life. That's why he wanted to live. You know, it's one thing for us to pray, Oh, dear God, I pray you'll heal my body and restore my health and extend my life. Well, that's all well and good, but why? 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 Why do you want to live? And let me tell you, if we're not living for the purpose of doing His will, fulfilling our mission, there's no reason for us to live. We might as well, God might as well knock us in the head and take us to heaven. There's no reason to be here. Be a lot better up there, Paul said, to die is gain. No more migraines, Lisa. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? No more migraines. Brother, Brother Ron wouldn't have to go over to the dialysis anymore. Be done with all of that nonsense. He'd have a glorified body then. You see, all of your problems would be solved. 
You're not here because you need to be. You're here because you're needed. Somebody needs you. Those without the Lord need you. People need the Lord. And God has ordained that each and every one of us as His children have the responsibility to make Him known to others. That's why He wants to live. He's not saying, oh dear God, let me live till the Cubs win the World Series. People want, let me tell you, people want to live for all kinds of different reasons. But when it gets right down to it, the thing, the thing that we ought to be living for is to fulfill God's purpose in our life. I want you to look at verse number 18 for just a moment. He says, now also. I sat in my office this morning and I just picked this verse apart. And I thought about, you know, I'm not even going to read this because I don't know if I can just read it and get by it because there's so much here. And I underline different words individually. Now also. Just, just that phrase. Now also. Now also when I'm old. And, and I'm gray-headed. Now, you see what he's doing? I mean, now he's old now, but he's thinking back to what God had done for him before. And he says, now when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until. Now, he had enough sense to know that it's appointed a man wants to die, that sooner or later God was going to be through with him and God was going to take him home. He knew that. He knew it was all going to end someday, Right? So he says, forsake me not until. Now, whatever he says next is the reason why he wants to keep living. It's as though he's saying, Lord, you can forsake me after I complete this mission. But Lord, don't forsake me now until I have showed thy strength. That's what he had been depending upon. That's what he relied upon. That's what kept him going. He said, God, don't let me die. Don't leave me now until until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. Are you that concerned about your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids? Are you that concerned about my grandkids? We ought to be concerned about this generation. And we need to leave a legacy behind that when we are dead and gone, that somebody is going to be thinking about us. Not thinking about our goodness, not thinking about our greatness, but thinking about what God did with our life. It's real easy whenever we hear certain songs and we think about certain people. Right? Reminds you of the way that God used them. I think of Gilbert Wood and thinking about every year at camp time. Taking that camper up there. And I remember sleeping in the camper up there and whenever we'd go up in East Texas. And uh, remember Gilbert and serving the Lord and all of those years out there Saturday mornings on bus visitation and bringing those little kids in and what have you. My point is, what are people going to remember about you? What kind of a contribution are you making? 
And look, it's not about us impressing people so they'll remember us. It's so they'll think about God and the great thing that God has done. He said, I want to show this generation God's great strength. I want them to see in my life that what He did for me, that He can do for them. Each and every person here has a work to do. God didn't call everybody to pastor this church. God didn't call everybody to be a musician. I walked by early and picked up the Courtney's violin. I said, I wish I could play some kind of a musical instrument. You know, but I can't. I, I'm not a musician. God didn't intend for me to be a musician. But God uses all of us in different ways, and it doesn't make any difference how God uses you. It's a matter of allowing God to use you. And we need to follow the example of Isaiah. The Lord said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, He said, Who will go for us? Now, it's always been interesting to me. The Lord didn't say, Who will go and preach? Or who will do this? Or He, he, he didn't give any qualifying statements. He said, Who will go for us? Like the divine trinity saying, you know, to mankind, Who will go for us? We need somebody to go. Isaiah said, here am I. Here am I. Send me. He didn't say, Lord, uh, uh, what do you want me to do? How far do you want me to go? There's absolutely no question, no hesitation, no reservation, nothing. It's just what do you want me to do? I'm ready to go. I read about one pastor and he kept a little plaque on his desk that simply said, Yes, Lord. Somebody asked him one day, they looked at that and they said, Yes, Lord, what's the question? And the preacher said, the question doesn't matter. Think about that. That will be our attitude. Yes, Lord, the question doesn't matter. It's not about what God wants you to do, where He wants you to go. It's just, yes, Lord, if this is what you want me to do. You have a mission in your life. It might be as a homemaker. Then for God's sake, be what God intended for you to be and quit running around all over the country and watching soap operas all day and all that other crap. You, you, you see, sometimes we get this crazy idea that homemakers are second-class citizens. And it's just not true. Whatever it is God wants you to be, be all you can be. You'll need His strength to do it. Which means that in order to gain that strength, you will have to surrender yourself without any reservation. Let me ask you this morning, are you really concerned about your life and how you're going to live it? I mean, does it really make any difference? Or maybe you're thinking, oh, if I can just get through this world. Really? Really? I think deep down that you want more out of life than that. You, 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 just, you just don't know what to do. I mean, surely you want more out of life than just existing, just eat, sleep. There's got to be more to it than that. What a miserable life. 
I tell you, I, I enjoy fishing, but uh, I'd go stark raving mad if I had to fish eight or ten hours every day. I tried it and I can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I hope I'm making sense. He said, I will go. What are you going to do? I'll go. I'll go in the strength of the Lord. Why? Why are you deter- so determined to do this? Because he is saying, in essence, this generation needs to see what a great God I have. And I, and I want to show them. And Lord, don't forsake me now. You've been with me through all of these years. I'm an old man. People hate me. I'm weak. I'm weary. Lord, don't forsake me now. Help me to show them the greatness of your strength. Boy, I'll tell you what, a church built on members like that, there is absolutely no limit, no telling what great things God might do. What about you this morning? Are you willing to go and to do and to be whatever God wants you to be? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you absolutely don't even have a chance. The Bible commands, listen and I'm through, the Bible commands all men everywhere to repent. If you've never been saved, you're living your life in rebellion against God. You are thumbing your nose at God. You're trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. Rejecting Him is absolutely the worst thing anybody could possibly do. And you do it every single day. And your life is never going to be what it ought to be until you, first of all, surrender your life to the Lord by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to give you an opportunity here this morning to do that, and I hope you will. If you're here and you've been saved, whatever you do, don't waste your life away. Be a man, be a woman on a mission. Whatever it is that God wants you to do, be the best you can. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for those men and women that left a legacy, those men and women that down through the years put on display for everybody else to see the great things that you're able to do. And Lord, without a doubt, there are folks here this morning that are struggling, struggling with fear, struggling with doubt, struggling with difficulties that they're going through. And I just hope and pray that the Holy Spirit might impress upon their heart that their greatest need is to be surrendered to you and And when we do that, that they can have the confidence that whatever all of these other needs are, having those needs met are all taken care of in putting you first in our life. Help us to do that here this morning in Jesus' name. Now as we 